You're listening to the Slavic Literature Pod, your shelf-help guide to all things Slavic. I'm Cameron Lalana. And I'm Matt Garrisimovich. And today we're covering part one, chapter 26 of Vasily Grossman's Life and Fate. And now we are moving on back to Ludmilla, who, if you'll recall, last left the scene when she found her son Tolio was wounded. And now she's heading to the city of Saratov in order to see him. And she's spending most of this chapter, all of it really, on a on a boat of some kind with a mixture of civilians going down to mostly Kuibyshev uh, and some number of soldiers who are going up to the front to Stalingrad. Uh, it's one, you know, one river from... Uh, where where she is in Kazan, it's the Volga all the way down to Stalingrad. So, mm-hmm. and it's it's a a ship that was a, I think originally a, at least mostly a passenger ship, and then they said, oh, we have so many wounded or so many soldiers that need to get on it, and it was mildly requisitioned, and it's uh, very uncomfortable because you have these people that are not really wanting to come face to face with their own reality uh, suddenly thrust upon although although Lenmila point, points out that the, it's more the soldiers that feel uncomfortable with the people you might have a particular idea when we say that the soviet government has commandeered the ship for soldiers you might have a kind of like all right this is our ship now but the reality is as grossman is portraying it here is that all the soldiers are like I, I i am so sorry and all the civilians are like yeah you should be it's slightly less comfortable for us now. Well, and they're basically in like kind of sequestered in this separate room or the separate part of the ship, more or less. It seems that Ludmilla goes down to, I don't know, befriend's bef- bef- not really the right word. She's kind of like, I'm miserable. You're miserable. Let's all be miserable together. And she does her, her sort of um, military maternal thing of repairing people's rifles. Sure. Why not? Everyone's impressed. Claps all around. They don't throw her a party, but uh, people are impressed by this. Well, they do give her soup, which given that she has not brought any food on this multi-day journey, I think it's as good as a party in this context. Yeah, the yeah the soup is pretty good. I, yes, she did, she did leave in the sort of fugue state and did not pack anything. So that, that wasn't not great foresight. I can understand it, though. In a theme you're probably tracking throughout this chapter, you'll see it more strongly once we get to Saratov, is grief i mean it's all around the chapter it's talked about a lot it's so strong that it even morphs the environment around ludmilla and matt you picked a great line in relation to that today and i want to get to that in a second but first i think the way that ludmilla relates to people and this is so interesting because there she almost seems stifled by the other civilians on the deck and they're possibly the ways they don't understand but in the ways that the soldiers do seem to understand so you might have heard the phrase Blood is thicker than water, typically used to mean that, you know, your family relationship is thicker than your friendships or more, more strong than your friendships. And the more clever among you probably already know the origin of that phrase is the blood of the covenant is stronger than the water of the womb, which is actually the inversion of that coming out of the First World War. The blood of, you know, soldiery of that kind of brethren is stronger than, you know, familial bonds. And now here we have this sort of different formulation where it's not it's neither the comradeship and not the inherent familial bonds that that are pulling these people together or dividing them from others um, it is an emotion which some are engaging with and emotions which others are, are simply not engaging with it at all um, even if these soldiers are not themselves engaging with grief 
by the very nature of their proximity to the sort of grief Ludmilla is having, uh, they are involved in it. And there's this really interesting line when she's standing on the deck, and it says, the line goes, her grief was the same grief that breathed on this deck, a grief that had always known the way from the military hospitals and graves of the front back to the huts of peasants, huts without numbers, standing on patches of waste ground, waste ground without name. Which is really interesting, because for the most part, it seems to connect her with the soldiers, but immediately before, there's also the example of her connecting with another woman on the deck over their mutual grief. So there is some level of emotion here, um, which is the, the bonding element, and also the, um, the dividing line between one person and another, or at least between Ludmilla and the others. Yeah, and... Yeah, that that was kind of my main my main point. The way her viewpoint sort of really rapidly shifts from time to time that we will read about sort of is this Prince Andre uh stoically reminiscing or stoically thinking as he's passing the this old grizzled oak um which is just so sad and uh, mysterious and then he meets a girl and then develops a crush and all of a sudden wow what a nice oak tree this is to pass and this is kind of how the world will sort of work it works very similarly here and so it's just something i wanted to to point out because it's it's still important as we go through and this is a tangential point but it's important as we go through to still separate grossman from sometimes what the characters are are saying and perceiving not all criticism is direct grossman criticism although a lot of it is veiled just through his characters but um yeah, this is just an interesting, like, clear way to see how it works in this case. Yeah, I think that's a great point, especially as uh, those of you who are listening, as you learn more about Grossman's life, especially Grossman's relationship with his second wife, Olga, his longest marriage by far, uh, one of two, but one of three major relationships of his life, I should say. Um, and you look at the ways that Grossman writes Olga and Victor, and there are so many elements which are pulled one-to-one from their own life. And maybe it can be a little bit too easy to... To say this is exactly how Grossman saw, you know, Olga. This is exactly how Grossman sees himself. And, you know, the thing about that is that that's something that we can't say for sure, right? That's something that is going to be entirely speculative. And we can make some assumptions if they're well-founded, but we can never fully know. And so it's important to be really, really reticent and really, really careful with that sort of criticism. True. And this is a good journey for us to get to break down and follow over the next couple days. Yeah, so stay with us through the, almost said Olga again, through the Ludmilla arc, and you'll hear from us again soon. Yeah.